Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! WrestleRant Radio for a rare Friday edition, August 11th, 2023. The Fallout edition coming off of SummerSlam last weekend. Talking all things SummerSlam, our official onset report. Graham Gius and Matthews being joined by the man that was with me at SummerSlam in Detroit all weekend. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? I'm doing okay. You're still recovering, you said. Mentally and physically, yes. I know you've been working every day since then. You know, you had long days at work the last couple of days. You flew back on Sunday, as I did. It's been... Uh, Hectic week as it was leading up to it, but listen, we're back now. We're out of Detroit. We, we're, we're good. Um, you know, we were joking when we were there on the podcast when we were there last Saturday that, you know, not the most glorious location, but it ended up being okay. It ended up being better than we thought it would be, actually. Yeah, I, I, I had a lot better time than I expected the city was going to be, so definitely uh, thumbs up on that aspect. I mean, I don't expect myself going back anytime soon or ever, but it was definitely better than I anticipated. It was not bad at all, and you already booked your trip. You already booked your trip for next year, right? Even though we don't know where we're going. Yeah, I already booked it. <laughs> all right, perfect. Wherever it ends up being, I think my reservation will automatically go to. I think that's how it works. But we are talking SummerSlam here today. Our onset report from the show last week, and probably, hopefully, depending on if we have time, maybe a little bit of AEW talk at the end. We didn't talk AEW last week. 200th episode. Uh, we had the follow up this week. They're building the card slowly and surely for All In at the end of the month, which I'm looking forward to. Um, that's shaping up to be a, a pretty big show, so looking forward to that. So we'll talk about that and any other things that pop up along the way from the last couple of days in the world of wrestling, but primarily a SummerSlam-themed edition here today. New episodes of the show, check them out every single week, I would say Thursday, but we did our show last week on Saturday, today on Friday, so check it out whenever on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss new episodes every single week. Uh, you know All that sort of stuff every single week on Fridays, Saturdays, Thursdays, whatever day it might end up being. Um, but like I said, we'll start off with SummerSlam here, our on-site report from the show last week. A quick note before we get into the matches itself, Mr. Marceau. Ford Field itself, my first time there for you as well, obviously, is you know where the uh, Lions play. What were your overall impressions of the arena itself? I always kind of like to get your uh, your feel for it, because you've been to a bunch of football stadiums in your time. We went to the Nashville Stadium last year for SummerSlam, which ended up being not the best stadium, but it was a, it was a great area. Uh, what were your takeaways from uh, Ford Field in Detroit being there live for it? That was pretty good. I mean, we were kind of like up in where the media was. So I didn't get to see the whole stadium, but I mean, it looked pretty nice. I I think with like inside stadiums specifically, they just kind of age better anyways, just because not, they're not getting like the outside elements that outside parks get or outside stadiums get. They just don't get like the same kind of weather and kind of just normal wear and tear, I guess you'd want to say. But I thought it was nice for what it was. I mean, like I said, we weren't down like in the concourse, but the stadium itself looked pretty clean and it looked nice, so. I definitely was impressed, but I kind of expected it since it is an inside venue. 
Yeah, and it was also right near the uh, Comerica. How do you say the the name of the field? Comerica Park. Yeah, Comerica Park. It was uh, right there. It was not far at all, and it was a nice little walk from there. So uh, not bad location either. Some of these arenas are just in the middle of nowhere, and it's a disaster getting there, being dropped off or whatever. And it's pretty simple getting there, actually, when we got there um, on on uh, Saturday afternoon, so not bad on that front whatsoever. We opened the event, Logan Paul and Ricochet, a match that they said that they would go viral for and whatnot. I mean, I haven't seen anything go viral from the match, but it was a very good opener. I thought they worked well together, as expected. Logan Paul continues to be extremely impressive, albeit in rehearsed matches. I mean, I know all of wrestling is kind of choreographed, obviously, but in terms of, like, it seems like every match that he has, he really puts in the maximum amount of effort into perfecting it by rehearsing it beforehand. So I don't know if we'll ever get to a point where Logan Paul's wrestling on Raw, um, but for these pay-per-view matches, he continues to feel like an attraction. It was a good match. He won, and then headed on out for the um, Jake Paul fight, for his brother fighting against Nate Diaz later on in the night. So um, I thought this was a good opener. The only thing I did not like about it really was the... I mean, I like that Logan Paul won. The finish with the brass knuckles. Now, a protected ricochet and defeat, but... I mean, I just thought it was lame the way they kind of went about it, um, but still the result was what it needed to be. What were your thoughts on the matchup? I thought it was good. I wouldn't say it was great. I thought it was a good opener. Um, like you said, I thought, I mean, I understand that like he hasn't wrestled a lot, but like you can clearly tell it is very choreographed practice, whatever you want to say. Like I feel like the spots are kind of just there, and they report on it too. So there is some some truth in the pudding there. And we also saw him practice this match for WrestleMania, or SummerSlam last year as well. So <laughs> yeah. I thought it was good. Like you said, they tried to go viral. I, I'm still waiting. I, I didn't think anything like happened crazy. I mean, I thought it was a good match. Like I thought the ending, I mean, like you said, it, it, it protected Ricochet and defeat, but just like some random person jumped the rail. Like they didn't really even like comment on that. It just kind of happened. Gives him brass knuckles and he knocks him out. I mean, it protects Ricochet, but at the end of the day, like, I I guess. I, I don't know. Like, I thought the match was good. I think it was probably one of his weaker matches he's had. Um, so I just think the finish kind of came out of nowhere. It was just pretty random. Yeah, no, I'm glad Logan Paul won, but the way it kind of happened, and it was weird because I watched back the commentary of the moment, and Michael Cole kind of explained, oh, that was someone I saw with Logan Paul earlier in the day, one of his buddies, you know, whatever. Watching from, you know, the arena, not hearing the commentary, we're thinking, who the fuck was that guy? Was that supposed to be someone significant? They never showed him again, so obviously not. It just came off odd, but uh, do you think the push for Ricochet is over, or do you think the feud continues beyond this point? I think it's over. I mean, with him, I feel like it's just going to be like one match program, so I don't see it continuing. And I don't really need to see it continue. I mean, if it did, that's fine, but like I've said before, I've enjoyed the usage of Ricochet since Triple H took over a year ago. He's been on the show a lot more. He's won a lot more matches, been involved in higher profile matches that are competitive and not just, I'm not talking like facing Brock for the WWE title in Saudi Arabia where he lost in 90 seconds and got completely destroyed. I'm talking like actual competitive matches and that's kind of what we got here and it was, uh, they got a ton of time. I'm looking at the time here, 18 minutes. That's a long time. Um, I figured it would go like 11, 12 minutes, but 18 minutes is a good chunk of time and they made the most of it and had a pretty good match. Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar was up next, which was surprising. That was second on the card. Um, probably, not even probably, the best match of the three. I've seen some people say it was the best match in the show, which I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, I had my own thoughts on that, but I thought it was a uh, very good match. They told the story here. I don't think Brock hit the F5 once, but he did beat the shit out of Cody, put him on the outside a bunch. Or no, I'm sorry, he did hit an F5. I think it was on yeah, the outside the of the F5 ring. Yeah, on the table. That's what it was. I think he did it twice on the outside of the ring. 
um, including on the table, like you said. So it wasn't as if he had to kick out or whatever, which was clever. Um, so anyway, so Cody Rhodes ended up winning after battling back, you know, that whole story, and he ended up winning clean, and that was uh, surprising. He won clean with a couple crossroads, then he got endorsed by Brock Lesnar afterward, which I thought was the best part about it. A great visual, really putting over Cody Strong, and there's no way you can watch that and think to yourself, how do they not put the belt on Cody at this point? I mean, we thought the same thing going into WrestleMania 39 didn't happen there, and I, I still maintain it'll happen at WrestleMania 40. But nonetheless, um, he's got to maintain the momentum that he has now going into that matchup and moment at WrestleMania 40 if they want that to happen. But your thoughts on the matchup and Cody going over, and was it indeed the best match of the three that you remember so far? Uh, to my knowledge, it was. I mean, I don't totally remember Saudi. I feel like Saudi was definitely the weakest, to my knowledge. I thought the Backlash match was pretty good, um, but I think out of the three, this one definitely was the best. Um, I just think they told a better story. Brock, like I said, just basically beating the crap out of Cody, kind of get that comeback, gets the win here, show respect after. I think it was what needed to happen, and like I said, I think it was the best out of the three. Yeah, Cody Rhodes winning was never really in doubt. Um, your thoughts on the post-match endorsement from Brock, and uh, apparently unplanned, according to Triple H after the show and during the press conference. Um, you know, I thought it was a great moment. It really puts over Cody that much more, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's... I mean, it's a big deal, but I feel like at this point, it's like, it's not like he's like Braun Breaker. I mean, I feel like at this point, Cody is like, not, I don't know if I'd say made man, but like he's one of the top talents in the company. So, like, Brock doing it's nice and all, but like, even Cena did it already. Like, I think Brock Cody's already a made man. I feel like if it was like Braun Breaker or someone that's still like coming on their ups, I think it would mean a little bit more. But I mean, it's definitely nice to say. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't done that. I don't know about ever, because I remember someone had mentioned WrestleMania 19 when he, not I mean, not endorsing Brock, but like, or Kurt Angle, rather, when they had a match with the WWE title. Angle was kind of the one endorsing him, and they kind of, you know, shook hands afterward, blah, blah, blah. Brock won that matchup, and it wasn't like he was putting over Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was the established veteran, and um, they kind of shared a moment, and Brock won that match. Brock lost here and still endorsed Cody afterward. Any idea on what you think might be next for Brock Lesnar, and where do you think he goes from here as far as what they do with him next? It's hard to say. Oh, so that's probably one of the toughest questions you could possibly ask me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like he'll be gone for a little bit. I don't think we'll see him until probably next year, Royal Rumble time. I just don't. I guess I think he's a free agent. I assume, right? I just don't really. And even if he is, I just don't really. I don't know, like Sheamus, maybe. Like, I don't, I don't. I if I had to guess, like maybe him or Drew. But besides that, I just don't see anyone on the top of my head that would be like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, unless they bring up Braun Breaker or something. But I feel like it'd be way too soon for that. By the time they call up Breaker, I mean, I think he would be back. I've heard conflicting things because I had seen Meltzer say that he was advertised for payback. Which, I mean, I guess he could be. I'm not sure why he would be. He's worked a lot of man. I mean, he's shown up quite a bit since WrestleMania. Not every single week, but again, he worked. Backlash, he worked Night of Champions, and he worked SummerSlam. He doesn't really necessarily have to work the fall pay-per-views. They don't even really necessarily need him on the show, whether it be Raw, SmackDown, whatever. Um, I think he would probably disappear for a while, probably come back for Royal Rumble, and then kick off his WrestleMania program there. Who that would be, though, I'm not exactly sure. You mentioned Drew. Drew's a possibility. I mean, it would be more a matter of Brock wanting his win back, because Drew's the only person, I think, to beat him that Brock has never avenge that loss to, I believe. Um, I'm not really sure who else it would be unless it was someone new, like you said. 
I'm thinking of who's on the roster right now, like Rollins we've seen. I don't really want to see him challenge for the World Heavyweight Championship. I don't want to see him win the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Bronson Reed, like, I don't think they see him on that level. So I'm not exactly, I really don't know what they do with Brock. They made the most of the Cody stuff, even though it really had no reason to happen, aside from keeping Cody busy. Um, But yeah, I am curious to see where Brock goes from here upon his return and who they end up lining up for him next from either the Raw or SmackDown roster. Uh, Let's talk about the 25-man Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royal, won by L.A. Knight. I mean, that was the most obvious prediction, but I told you last week, it was so logical and so obvious that he could win that I almost felt that they would go in a different direction by having either Waller throw him out at the last second or um, who else did it? I mean, Omos ended up joining the match at the, at the last second, but, you know, a Sheamus or someone like that, I kind of figured, okay, they got enough people in here, or Theory, for example. I thought they might kind of throw us a curveball by having someone else go over, but no, they went the logical route by having LA Knight win the whole thing, throw out Sheamus, you know, uh, to, to win the whole thing. He was the last person eliminated. And he got his big moment. He had a great reaction when he came out. He got a great reaction uh, winning the whole thing. And it looks like, you know, they're, they're going to be going with him for the time being, which is great. He's going to be the new face and WWE spokesperson for the Slim Jim partnership for the next couple of years, hopefully. And then he kicked off his first feud, really, in, in a, a number of months on Raw the next night or on Monday night when he confronted and interrupted The Miz. And they kind of went back and forth. And to me, that was like the best part of the show. Uh, so your thoughts on WWE finally kind of jumping on the LA Knight bandwagon and finally kind of getting behind how over he is right now? No, I mean, like you said, I think it was so obvious that we thought they wouldn't go with it, but, I mean, clearly that's the case, and, I mean, I think it's the right move. Uh, I mean, I think people want, just because he was instantly over, they're just going to, like, change all their plans for him to get to that spot, but I think we're now starting to see, like, when you flesh it out, like, yeah, he was overly popular, but they had other things going on. I think, like you said, this feud with The Miz would be good. It'd be, like, his first real feud. I mean, I guess he had fucking Bray Wyatt, but at that point, he wasn't even over at that point, so... I mean, this would be like his first feud as a over guy. The Miz is just the Miz, but I mean, it'd be a nice first like start as a babyface. So uh, I'm happy for him. I think the crowd's happy that he's getting the push, and I think uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I'm the first one to say that with the Miz, he's he's channel changing material at this point, and that's coming from me, who's a big Miz fan. But at the same time, though, I just feel like with um. With, with the Miz, it makes sense for him to be the first opponent just because he is established. I really don't know who else you pair LA Knight with right now on SmackDown unless it's like carrying cross, which like no thanks. Um, like Grayson Waller would be great, but it's a little too soon for that. Waller needs some wins himself. So uh, theory would be the ultimate, obviously. But do you think we get a new United States champion tomorrow night, by the way? I know that's not or tonight, actually, on SmackDown. Do you think Santos loses or rather wins the United States championship from theory? I think he does win, but I don't want the win. Who would you have beat Theory, LA Knight? I think theoretically, yeah. I mean, I, I just, for me, I just have, I like, I do like Santos as a heel. I feel like as a baby face, I just, I don't know, he doesn't do anything for me. I don't know if it's just like the whole like blatantly using LWO to get him over. Yep. It's like bothering me. I just, I don't know, like him like as a baby face reminds me of like Raquel as a baby face. I don't know, just like. It's there. I feel like it's so forced, and it just doesn't do much for me. So I, I think he will beat Theory. I mean, at this point, I just they haven't done anything with Theory since he's gone to SmackDown, so I just assume he's going to drop the belt soon. It would make sense here with Escobar, I guess. I don't really want to see it happen, but I mean, maybe we can actually get something with Theory once he's not champion anymore. So we'll see. 
But if I was betting, I'd say Escobar wins tonight. Yeah, I could see Escobar winning the championship tonight. I'm hoping they hit the reset button with uh, Theory. I mean, they've already hit the reset button several times already. But the guy's talented enough to where I think he could still be something. He's not damaged goods quite yet. But they've really fucked up his main roster runs quite a bit over the years. And, uh, you know, the rate that he's going, it's it's not going anywhere fast. So taking that championship off of him is the next step. I just hope LA Knight can get some gold in the near future. I mean, whether it be the United States Championship, he's on Raw right now, but he is a SmackDown superstar. I don't think that makes him a Raw talent. Um, they just don't give a fuck about the brand split rules or whatever. It is what it is. I mean, I just can't even bother caring at this point, I, I, I guess. But um, the Miz feud does make sense because, again, it gives him something to do. Don't have it go on for six months. He beats Miz, maybe a payback or on Raw before then, and then he moves on to whatever's next from there. So I'm, I'm glad they're finally putting him on all the shows and they're getting behind him and you know they're recognizing how over he is instead of just you know piping in booze like they were a couple of months ago. So I'm glad he finally got his moment in front of a big audience, in front of a big crowd at Ford Field. Um, the biggest dud of the night, unfortunately, the MMA rules match between Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. I actually thought this was well-worked. I thought it wasn't a bad match. It was hard-hitting. It was physical. The problem is that if I wanted to watch an MMA match, or MMA fight, rather, I would watch the UFC pay-per-view later that night. I mean, this was just not what people wanted to see. Uh, maybe if it was a fight pit, that's like the merging of UFC and WWE. Um, this was just a straight-up MMA fight in WWE. And again, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The feud has been all over the place. The vignettes they did for the match were phenomenal last week. And then the match happens, and I just don't care. Um, I don't know. The crowd was quiet. There was a lot of just talking amongst yourself type moments with the crowd where people weren't really invested whatsoever. It was just a lot of background noise. And Baszler ended up winning, which was great. She ended up winning clean. The first decisive loss that Sheena's had in WWE. Or I'm sorry, first decisive loss for Ronda Rousey in WWE. And it could end up being her swan song as well. Uh, this was a uh, disappointment, Mr. Marceau, to say the least. Yeah, like you said, I just... It's just like musical acts or just, I don't know, like wrestling fans are there to watch wrestling. This like shoot MMA match kind of thing just, I mean, felt flat. I mean, people did not give a shit. Hindsight being twenty twenty as always, I, I mean, I think just at this point they should have just done Becky and Trish. Even if they only gave them seven, eight minutes, I mean, this would have been better than, than this. I just think no one cared. It just we're not there to watch a shoot MMA match, like you said. If we're wa- if I want to watch MMA, I'm going to watch legit UFC, which was on at the same time. I'm not going to watch Ronda and Shayna like choreograph an MMA match. I mean, I just no. No, it should have happened on Raw. Listen, I think in an ideal world, you can have three, four women's matches on the same show. We only got two on this one. Um, I mean, that wasn't going to happen. The show went over four hours as it was. Could they have cut another match? Yeah, they gave a lot of these matches a lot of time. Like, I don't know if Logan Paul and Ricochet, for example, needed to be 18 minutes, but, you know, you get my drift. With this match, I mean, like you said, I think my biggest thing was was that they could have given that time to Trish and Becky instead. It was the shortest match in the entire show, this was. Um, not not counting the cash-in later on in the show. I would have put Becky and Trish in here, too. We talked about it. And I realized they put this on the show because, again, it's Ronda Rousey's apparent, you know, finale her curtain call from wwe it could be her final match and end up being her final match ever in wwe but at the same time don't you think trish and becky trish is a legend becky's a big star trish may never wrestle another singles match again i mean she probably will but you never know that could be her the end of her career as well you would think that they wouldn't would want her to close it out at SummerSlam, um as opposed to whatever the fuck that we got here with uh, with shana and ronda like it doesn't make much of a difference you know 
Yeah, I mean, I get to a certain point. Like, I mean, technically more people, I mean, I don't know what their viewership is. I assume more people would watch Raw watch Raw than they do the pay-per-views anyway. So theoretically, more people would watch Trish and Becky to begin with if they aren't when they are on Raw. But, like, also, like, yeah, it's it's Trish is a legend, so is Becky. But, like, also, I mean, Ronda Rousey is, like, at one point was, like, the biggest women's star in all of sports. Obviously, she's fell, fallen far from that. But if you're going to try to sap one last spy off people or one last interest, I mean, I kind of get it on that aspect. But, I mean, going back, I would have just done Trish and Becky. Like you said, I think you could have trimmed a few minutes off Logan and, and Ricochet. I don't think it had to be almost 20 minutes. Yeah, and I just, I don't know. They're advertising it for Raw next week in Canada, which I think it's next week. It's uh, Yeah. Yeah, next week in Canada, which is great. But at the same time, it's like... I don't know. The, the build for this, the, the storyline just has not been great. It really does feel like Becky's missing something right now. I'm not sure what that is, but she's been missing something for quite a while. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's because she's a baby face. I don't know. I feel like it's just, I don't know. She, I feel like she is kind of like in a rut. Like I said, the storyline, like, I don't know if it's like they just went to it so early that people just kind of over it. The whole like, thank you, Trish stuff is kind of corny too. So, I don't know. It is, like you said, I think it, in times like it's one of those matches we thought would be really good and the program would be really good it just kind of fell flat and I think it's kind of both their fault like I said I feel like the whole thank you Trish stuff is so corny and kind of lazy and lame but like Becky's just kind of there and like she lost to Zoe she also lost to Trish already so she's coming off two losses I mean she did beat Zoe to get the match with Trish but I don't know it's kind of like I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, I feel like she's missing something. I don't know if it's she's, she's now a face and she's still kind of like Healy. I don't know. It's just she's in a weird spot. Yeah, I don't know what needs to change for her character, but she's just in an odd spot right now. The storyline with Damage Control wasn't much better either. And again, that had some good matches with her and Bailey, but I don't know. It's just weird. She's just not. She's not been the same since she came back. And I know. You know, listen, she's never going to be as hot as she was five years ago during the peak of the man stuff as she was going into WrestleMania 35. I understand that. But she was still doing great work when she came back from the pregnancy in 2021 as a heel. I'm not saying that she should go back to being a heel because people were behind her anyway. That was the biggest issue with the heel run was that people were cheering her every week. She's over. So, I mean, keep her keep her baby face, obviously. The man stuff is what we need. But I don't know. I don't know if it's the mic work or just the what they're giving her to do. It just hasn't really... She doesn't feel remotely as special as she should. Let's put it that way. She's still a big star, but I mean, she was like one of the top three stars in the entire company, male or female, a couple of years ago. And now it's like, I would put even Bianca and Rhea above her at this point, and as far as the females go. And then you have Rollins and Roman, among other people, Cody Rhodes. She's just not where she once was. So I don't know. She's in a weird spot. Hopefully she can uh, beat Trish and then move on from it. Unless she loses to Trish and she gets the tattoo on her chest. I mean, there's that possibility too, right? <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't bring that up on Monday. The stupidest thing. Ever. Yeah. For a raw match. Stupid. Uh, Intercontinental Championship: Gunter and Drew McIntyre. A, a good match. And listen, I think that Sheena Ronda match really killed the crowd for a good part of the show. Um, that match was was quiet. The crowd was quiet for that match. Gunter and Drew. The crowd kind of came alive towards the end, but they were pretty cri- quiet for most of the match. And it was a very good match. It wasn't the all-out barn burner I thought they would have. Um, maybe we can get a rematch at some point. I'm not sure. But uh, I know they were quiet in the World Heavyweight title match as well. But at least, listen, it was the right outcome. I was worried that Drew would lose. I'm sorry, Drew would win and become champion and Gunter's reign one month out from breaking the record. 
Is it safe to say at this point that Gunter is indeed breaking the record and becoming the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion? I mean, at this point, if he loses, it'd be pretty stupid. Now that he beat Drew, so I, I would assume so. What were your thoughts on the match? I thought it was good. Um, like you said, I feel like the crowd, I mean, the crowd was hurting after that Shane Iron match. I mean, I was there. I could feel the crowd. And I thought it was a good match. I just think being after Shane Ronda, like, it literally took to the very end of the match for people to get into it. And even then, like, it just still felt like the crowd was even deflated for, like, the next match or two. So mm-hmm. I thought it was a good match. Like, obviously, I don't think it was as good as the WrestleMania match with Sheamus, but I'm glad Gunther won. I thought it was a good match. Beat Drew clean, which is always great to see. Like, at least he didn't need to appear in the win. And I, I mean, I thought it was a good match. Yeah, and I thought they worked well together, and uh, again, they made the most of the time that they had. Gunter winning clean was a nice touch. Now, with Drew losing here, and we already have a new number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship, which I'll get to in a moment, but as far as Drew is concerned, where do you think he goes from here? Do you think they turn him heel? And I've seen him say before, which makes sense. He's hesitant to... T- I mean, which I, I know this was reported, but he outright kind of confirmed it in a recent interview. He doesn't want to turn heel if it doesn't make sense because he's always doing the community stuff and like the be a star, not be a star. That's like 10 years ago, but you know, like the special Olympic stuff that WWE does and all these other like community partnerships. He's like the face of that sort of stuff. He doesn't want to turn heel if it doesn't make sense and he can't do that sort of stuff if he's a heel. So with that being said, I I don't know if they turn him heel. I would like to see him go heel because I feel like they already have Rollins and they have Cody Owens and Zayn on Raw, those are four pretty popular baby faces. They don't really need Drew in that role as well. Um, if you turn Drew, you can have a feud with Rollins. I'm just not expecting that to happen at this point, coming off those comments that he made. I mean, I get it, but I mean, that's like when Bianca's like, I never want to turn heel. I want to do like the make work stuff, which I like, get great for her, but like eventually you're going to have to go heel. I mean, I guess John Cena never did, or but I mean, also he was just a bigger deal than everyone else, but, I mean, I don't know, I feel like Drew for Drew at this point, it's like, especially on Raw, they have so many main baby faces right now, he already lost to Gunther, so no, I, I mean, I don't think he's going after Seth right now, or I wouldn't even say that in the media future, so, I honestly don't even really know what you do with him, like, what do you do, him and Bronson Reed, I mean, he just lost to fucking Shinsuke, so I doubt it, but... Um, yeah, I honestly don't really know what you do with Drew if he's going to stay a babyface. Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, they could always run back him and Gunter. I wanted another match between them at some point. I don't know if I would do that soon. Now, listen, Chad Gable became the number one contender to the championship on Monday's Raw by winning a very fun four-way commercial-free first hour of the show, beating Ricochet, Matt Riddle, and Tommaso Ciampa was the other person. Uh, really good match. Gable, new number one contender. Listen, I honestly... I would have Gable be the one to beat Gunter for the championship. I just don't know if it happens. I don't think it should happen before the record gets broken. I feel like that'd be dumb. But I would not be opposed to Gable being that guy because I'm not really sure who else it would be or should be if it wasn't him. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I wish they like built him up a little bit more to beat Gunter. I mean, he's had the belt for over a year. I agree. I like Gable a lot, but I mean, he's literally been like a comedy guy for like three years. So, I mean, I think if it's not him, I really don't know who else. Um, and I'd like to see Gable finally get a run, but, I mean, even if it, like, what's he going to win the Intercontinental Championship and still run around with Otis and Maxine? That's the thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. Even if he becomes more serious, he's still with, like, a job group. I just, like I said, I wish, like, maybe, even if he broke off from them and, like, became more serious, I'd be more in for Like, I just feel like him losing to Gable just, like, him be with him and Maxine and Otis, like, 
Um, it doesn't feel like a title program, but like I said, I guess they could spruce it up. It's just too much comedy, I feel like, especially for Gunther, who's held the belt for so long. Like, this was like a San, like he beat like Santino or someone that wasn't that like mm-hmm. perceived it's okay, but like Gunther's literally changed the frame of like what an intercontinental champion is. So Gable winning it just to be a comedy guy still just doesn't sit well with me. No, yeah, I agree. It just doesn't make much sense um, if they have him. I, I, I don't think not not that he shouldn't win. I'm not saying that doesn't make sense, but having him going up against Gunther as a comedy guy, um, you know, I think they got to tone that stuff down. It's gotten him over, and people are behind Gable, I think, but. They're teasing the Maxine like heel turn by having her turn on them to join Kaiser, which I don't think is happening. Uh, and even if she were to turn heel, I don't think she's staying in Imperium. I wouldn't think. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I would make him more serious. Again, give him a mic, have him go out there, explain why he wants to win the Intercontinental Championship. We need more wholesome Chad Gable, which is what we got on Monday's Raw when he brought his kid into the uh, over the barricade with him, and they kind of ran around the ring celebrating. We need more of that from Chad Gable and explaining why he wants to win this for his family and not just out there doing the comedy stuff, which he's great at, but he needs to be doing more than that and kind of find a better balance between the two. World Heavyweight Championship on the line, Seth freaking Rollins and Finn Balor. Again, another case where the crowd was still kind of dead for the first half of the match, but the second half was excellent. Um, they've had a lot of matches over the last seven years, dating back to SummerSlam 2016. Some good, some matches better than others. Always good matches. Some are just better. Uh, this might have been one of the, if not the best match they've had so far in that the crowd legitimately thought Balor could become champion, which I was not expecting even a month ago, but they've done a good job building Balor up, making it seem like he could become champion. Different routes that the Judgment Day stuff could go with Damian Priest. Does he cash in? Does he not cash in? Blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, again, a lot like with Money in the Bank, the Judgment Day turmoil proved to be too much for uh, Balor, and even Rollins was able to overcome it. Balor could not. There was some miscommunication. Rollins retains. Balor and Damian Priest having more issues. J.D. McDonough getting inserted back into the story on Monday's Raw after like two or three months away, which was so random. Uh, they got to be more consistent with that stuff. But anyway, I thought this was, uh, was a great match, and I was kind of hoping Balor would have become champion. He would have won the title, but I'm fine with Rollins retaining if he's the guy and they want to like really build Raw around him as champion. And if they're holding off on Rollins and Cody, which I'll get to momentarily. But, again, your thoughts on the match and the fact that Rollins retained here? Um, I thought, honestly, this was my match of the night. Um, I thought this was a great match. I was literally falling out of the media press box by the end. Like, great like, falls, and, yeah. stuff, and I hate interference. You know, I'm like the big, like, I think it was done in doses that made the match better, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just, like, solo, like, in the main event just being fucking annoying. Like, they're, they came in at the right spot to try to help Finn win. Like, when he hit the coup de gras, I think everyone jumped up and then literally got the two count. Damien's like, oh, am I going to help him? Am I not? Throws the briefcase in, stop, one, two, three. Like, I feel like that was great. Helped kind of do, feel, like, further that story. Um, like you said, we got, like, the JD McDonough stuff on Raw. Is he going to join? Are they going to kick Finn out? Are they going to kick out Damien? Who knows? Um, but I thought this was my favorite match of the night. Glad Rollins won. Um, if Balor won, I think I, I wouldn't really care. I think regardless, I was happy with the match, whoever won. But the way it executed with the interference, I thought like was like the perfect way to use interference to like further the match. Yeah, it was overbooked to shit, don't get me wrong. But it was done in a way where I thought it actually helped the match, like you said, where it added some suspense and I thought Balor could win and they had some great near falls in the, uh, in the end there. But Rollins retaining ultimately still the world heavyweight champion, Balor potentially on the outs with Judgment Day, or is it Damian Priest? We really don't know. So the Balor and Priest stuff will kind of, that's a story that'll tell itself. I, I could see Cody Rhodes 
uh, feuding with either Balor or, I mean, we've seen him against the Judgment Day already quite a few times. But based off what we saw on Monday's Raw, we really don't know what's next for Cody Rhodes. He teased going after the World Heavyweight Championship. And now we also have Shinsuke Nakamura popping up and uh, attacking Rollins following the main event and seemingly kind of uh, staking his claim at a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship. So your thoughts on that? I know you're not a fan of it, but I just want to get some uh, detailed uh, you know, response from you as to why you don't think Nakamura is a good fit as the number one contender to the World Heavyweight Championship right now. I just, I think one, it's completely random. He was just in like a mid-card feud with like Ricochet and Champa and Bronson Reed. Reed was winning constantly, and then now all of a sudden he loses the Shinsuke on Raw, and then we get Shinsuke turning on Raw basically after they won on Raw. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like Shinsuke, it's just like been there, done that. I would rather see someone like Reed in that position. I guess like they maybe they don't want him losing, but he just lost the fucking Shinsuke. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I feel like the crowd's not really into him to begin with. I mean, I think he's just more of his entrance. People get giddy so they can sing, but I'm, I'm completely out on Rollins and Shinsuke right now. I honestly don't want them to bring back the Nakamura heel theme song with the lyrics. Oh, I love his heel theme. Oh, my God. I thought we went past this. I thought we moved on from this because he went back to being a babyface. He got his old music back. I'm thinking, oh, great, this is awesome. And then... I don't know. They haven't really quite ever figured out how to use Shinsuke. I mean, this all goes back to how he lost the gender fucking twice, five years, five six years ago for the WWE title when he probably should have won then. Failed to win it after winning the Rumble. Like it's always constantly up and down with him. He'll win big matches and then he'll lose, and then he'll win and then he'll lose. And it's really, it's it's 50-50 booking with him constantly, and it's hard to care. And we're at a point now where he's lost a lot lately. He lost to Bronson Reed. I think he lost. I think he beat Champa. I don't remember, but. He's lost a lot lately, and he lost to Damian Priest a number of weeks ago as well. I think he lost to Balor, I believe. He lost to a number of people, and now all of a sudden he's the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship just because they need a heel in that spot, which again, I beg the question. I know he's not as over as Nakamura, but why not attempt to get Bronson Reed over by putting him in that spot? Because prior to Monday's Raw, he had only lost once one-on-one, that being two. Nakamura back on Memorial Day, but they've protected him since then. He's racked up a bunch of wins, and then he lost again on Monday's Raw clean. I just don't understand that. I was not a, I was not a fan of that at all. If you want to get these people over, you need to book them more consistently. Uh, I know they want to fill Nakamura. Like, that's like their big main event, but we'll get to the Jimmy and Jay stuff. I think Jimmy and Jay will probably headline payback. I mean, Rollins, he's kind of getting the punk treatment right now. He's not headlining any of these pay-per-views for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a better chance he'd, he'd main event over Jimmy and Jay at Payback. I feel like you could do that. But I also just, I mean, I could, we'll just go back. I fucking love Rollins. I But I, to this day, I will still admit, and I think anyone with a brain, I like Rollins, and he's really good, and he's a champion. He's so over because of the stupid entrance in the bowling. And if like I think that's what hurts him a lot like it gets him over but at this point like Shinsuke it's the entrance that's more over than him Mm -hmm. like he's good and all that stuff but like I don't know I just feel like the whole woeing like I feel like once he won the world title I wish he just kind of like got rid of the whole freaking thing like the outfits are ridiculous and like just the the dancing and the woeing and just to me I'm I'm over it like that seems so mid-card annoying heel and he's supposed to be a baby face I, I wish they kind of just nixed away from the freaking Rollins stuff and he went back to, like, the architect, like, that kind of Seth Rollins. This Seth Rollins, like, version to me is just, like, B+. And that's why I don't really care if he's made of any pay-per-views or not. Yeah, no, listen, I think Rollins is awesome and whatnot, and he's uh, deserved this spot. He's belonged in this spot for a long time. But uh, the character, it doesn't 
annoy me greatly, but it does. I wish we we talked about this a number of months ago, and I, I maintain that as well. I agree that they should have given him back his serious aggressive edge when he won the world heavyweight championship, ditching the Rollins or the freaking Rollins thing. Again, it's over, and I, I agree. I think the theme song is more over than he is. But at the same time, though, I just feel like they might see that it works and they don't want to move away from it. But it's a character. I think Rollins, more than anyone, honestly, has done a great job in the last 10-plus years of moving away from stuff when it started to get stale. Now, I know, again, this is over, which is why they're not moving away from it. But, like, he went from the arc, from the shield to the architect, uh redesign, rebuild, reclaim, and then he was like the white-hot babyface in 2018, like he's then the Messiah, and then he comes back like crazy in 2021, among these other things. So he's always changing his character, and he does a good job of that, but he really hasn't evolved in a while, aside from just becoming a babyface, going from heel to babyface. And I'm glad he's a babyface because he's so over, but I just, I don't know, I would rather him be more serious in the la- I know you love the laugh, right? <laughs> The laugh literally makes me shut the TV off. <laughs> it's not, it's awful. Like I said, as a heel, I get it. As a babyface, it's fucking annoying. Yeah. Yeah, no, as, as a heel, I mean, you were you didn't like it even then, but it makes more sense. Like, all right, you're not supposed to like him, whatever, but he's a babyface right now, so. I know we're kind of in the minority on that as far as why he should kind of adapt the character and evolve and whatnot, but I just don't, unfortunately, expect that to happen anytime soon. As far as the World Heavyweight Championship is concerned, though, uh, I mentioned Nakamura. That's probably the payback match. Do you think they do a triple threat with Cody, or do you think they kind of did what they did? They did this on the Monday and the Monday's Raw after Money in the Bank, where they had Cody confront Rollins, and then Brock came back. Now, I know they did that on Monday, and they actually talked about the fact that Cody wants to challenge Rollins or whatever. Or actually, Rollins confronted Cody. It was the other way around this time. Um, do you think that we get a situation where Cody either is inserted in there as a triple threat, or is it just the situation where they're teasing it on Raw and they're saving it for a bigger stage down the road? That was kind of the feeling that I got watching that, and they're going to probably do Rhodes and Balor in the meantime, or Rhodes and something with a Judgment Day until he's ready to challenge Cody, or challenge Rollins, rather, in the next couple of months. I was going to say what you were going to say. They'll do Shinsuke and Seth for now, and then they'll do Cody versus the Judgment Day. Yeah, I just think, if we're mapping this out, Cody and... Rollins at Survivor Series, maybe? That's that possible. Sense. Or the Saudi show. I mean, I'm not saying I would do it in Saudi, but I mean, that's that's typically a pretty big stage. I could see them doing it in Saudi Arabia. I mean, that would that would make sense to me. So, I don't know. I would. Uh, I don't think they'll wait until the Rumble, and Cody should not win. I would have Cody continue his journey to beat Roman Reigns, and hopefully he can beat him at WrestleMania. The Women's World Champ, or I'm sorry, the WWE Women's Championship. That was the Rhea Ripley title. This is the, uh, you know, the SmackDown Women's title. Asuka defending against Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair in a great triple threat match. Honestly, I thought this was one of the better matches on the entire show. Um, they got a ton of time. They were a couple sloppy spots. I mean, Charlotte isn't the smoothest person in the ring sometimes. But, you know, still, I thought these three women worked very well together. They had a great match, a lot of suspenseful near falls. Because, again, we did not know who would go over here. And the least likely person to win was Bianca. And she ended up winning, which kind of took me by surprise. But it made sense with the story they were telling. Um, but she kind of picked it up in like a sneaky way, so it wasn't a decisive loss for Asuka, even though she's kind of dead in the water anyway. So Bianca becomes champion. We're all confused, but you see Bianca hobbling around. The injury's not legit, obviously. And when you see that, you kind of get the feeling, all right, I know where they're going with this. Money in the bank cashing time. EO Sky runs down to the ring with Bailey in tow, uh, which helped a lot, kind of fending off Charlotte and uh, Asuka, so they were able to go at it alone here, or at least kind of corner 
Bianca by herself. Later out, Io hits the moonsault, becomes the new WWE Women's Champion, and uh, another successful cash-in for the women. Io Sky is champ. I, I predicted this last week on the uh, show that we did before the pay-per-view, and it ended up happening. It was exactly what I wanted to happen. So um, I thought this whole thing with Bianca winning, it's really just to pad the stats. I'd rather pad her stats than Charlotte's for the 15th time. But, you know, it makes sense that they want Io to be a heel for right now, for her to beat Bianca, even though, even though people cheered. I get what they were going for. I thought this played out perfectly, and I'm very happy that Io's champion. What about you? Yeah, I thought the match itself was good, like you said. I think they protected, I don't know, like, I guess they protected Bianca when they protected the Oscar. Like, Bianca was, like, quote-unquote hurt. Doctors came out with the medical staff. She was hobbling on her knee. They thought something was wrong with her knee. Picks up the win here. Io comes out like a... Like, nice cash-in, but, like, also protects Bianca because, obviously, she was hurt. Asuka might as well just go back to Japan. I don't really know what else you do with her. Her title run was kind of a joke, and she lost in, like, three months. Um, but Io winning, I think, was amazing. I mean, I think this is what should have happened. After, like, her match at Backlash and the crowd, like, literally was all behind Io. I think they're, like, kind of, like, maybe sparked something that... She is, like, the next one. I mean, I guess, like they're, like you said, the whole storytelling with her beating Bianca after a year after they returned or debuted, I guess you want to say. I, I, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like she's going to be the baby. Like, I see you as more of a baby face. I guess she's in a heelish group, but I don't know. I feel like she's not really a heel. So, um, I guess being Bianca as well is not like a heel beating a heel. Um, but I, I honestly would get to the point that, Be- that Bailey turns on EO and we get like babyface EO in the end. But I'm just glad that she finally won. Uh, hopefully, we don't get like a Liv Morgan 2.0 here. Yeah, hopefully not. I mean, I, I thought that was imminent with Bailey turning on EO. But I, what I like about this is that there's a lot of different directions they can go in. And there's a lot of different people you can pair EO with right now. Not simultaneously, but for example, Zelina Vega beat EO twice. I mean, she beat her on SmackDown as recently as last week. I'm not saying that's the payback match, but you can do Zelina and Io for the championship as soon as tonight on SmackDown if you wanted to. You could do her and Shotzi, because Bailey and Io are feuding with Shotzi right now. I wouldn't do that necessarily. That's kind of more Bailey's feud, and uh, you know they probably don't want Shotzi losing going into that feud anyway. But that's an option. You have two people right there. You have her and Bailey. Like you said, you could build that at some point down the road. Probably not right now, but at some point down the road. And then also, Bianca wants a rematch, and Charlotte is just Charlotte Flair. So... That being said, though, I think putting her with Bianca or Charlotte anytime soon would be bad. I think Rick mentioned this when we spoke to him after the show. That I just feel like it would be the Liv Morgan type thing where the focus is more on Bianca and Charlotte, who can have their own non-title feud without the championship involved. Uh, maybe Bianca gets a rematch for the championship next week and Charlotte costs her that match. I don't know. I just feel like Asuka and Io, while that feels like a WrestleMania match, they're going to get to it soon and they might as well do it now. Yeah, I mean, I would keep her away from Charlotte and Bianca for the time being. Like I said, I think you do something like non-title with Bianca and Charlotte, and you can have that over a couple of months and just kind of flush that out. I mean, they're big enough that you can have a program without being the title on the line. So um, I, I'm down for that. I just don't want her facing them anytime soon because I just feel like she's going to lose the belt and lose all her momentum. Yeah, not only that too, but I feel like with, yeah, no, that would just be done with Liv Morgan and kind of doing that whole thing over again. Because Liv got screwed when she was champion last year. I would not follow that same formula. But not only that, it was reported shortly before the pay-per-view on Saturday that Kyrie Singh is reportedly on her way back to WWE. She's finishing up with World of Stardom. Or not, not Stardom. Yeah, I think Stardom. But um, New Japan. She's finishing up there, and then she's coming back to WWE. 
Now, I don't know why necessarily. Apparently, according to Meltzer, she fielded all offers from all major organizations, blah, blah, blah. You would honestly think that she would go to AEW, which isn't a, like, you know, they have a bunch of women as it is, and maybe she saw the writing on the wall there with how they were used. I don't think she gives a fuck about that. I just figured that she would want to stay home. The whole reason I thought why she left WWE three years ago during COVID in the middle of 2020 was, um, I figured the whole reason was, was that she wanted to go home to Japan and just be able to live there and not be stuck in the United States anymore. Because she had lived here for a couple of years. She moved here in 2017 for WWE and was here for three years after her contract expired. But that's not the case anymore. I mean, she's still in Japan and now WWE wants her back, but... Can she live in Japan and do WWE? I don't think so. In AEW, I think she could. She could probably live there and then do AEW when she when she feels like it. So I really don't know. I know Meltzer kind of made a comment that, oh, she knows WWE, so that's why she's going back. I mean, I guess she's familiar with the system, but is it worth, like, moving back here? I, I, don't, I don't really know how that's going to work exactly. But your your thoughts and your reaction to Kyrie Sin coming on back to WWE? Well, I'm a big Kyrie Mark, so I'm glad I saw that. Glad she's going back to the A program. Uh, like one of the B leagues. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just feel like regardless, she should come back. Even for AEW, she would have to move back to the states. She's gonna fly back from Japan every week. I don't know. And then not every week, but I mean, it's more it's more possible than with WWE. Is my point? I guess, but she's not big enough to be like a part time where they just come. Like, if you're you're gonna bring her in, you're gonna have to feature her every week or pretty weekly. I would assume. I mean, I, it's not like she's like Ronda Rousey. She's gonna come in once a month or once every so often. Even though Ronda came in a lot, I just. I don't know. I just feel like it made sense for her to go back to WWE. She was with Oscar before. Um, I mean, I'm assuming they might rekindle that. I mean, the tag team division's cursed, and it needs the belt needs to go in the trash. But I mean, that's a team right there. Her and Oscar again. I mean, you could do her and EO. Um, I know they've had like a history in the past, so they could do that. Um, but I like Kyrie a lot. I thought she was great in WWE. They just kind of once she got to the main roster, they kind of saddled her in the tag team division which at that time which still is kind of useless but i think her and oscar had a decent reign as the kabuki warriors and i think her and her own could be women's champion or one of those other whatever world have women world have every champion i feel like she's she's good enough to be at that level yeah no i i like that they're inserting i would i mean i don't like that i don't we don't know what they're gonna do yet but i think it would make sense to insert her in the smackdown women's division smackdown all of a sudden their women's division became a whole, hell of a lot more interesting over the weekend and putting Kyrie on SmackDown, not only do you have the um, EO connection, because they were buddies in NXT, EO turned heel after Kyrie left. So they never interacted again, I don't think. After Kyrie seen left the company in 2020, her and her and uh, EO never had another interaction, match, or whatever. Kyrie and Asuka were the Kabuki Warriors, as you mentioned, so you can rekindle that team. Or, uh, we'll talk about the tag team titles in a second. But you can rekindle that if you wanted to. And then you also have her and Bailey. Bailey was the person who put her on the shelf back in uh, 2020. Her and her and Sasha Banks. I mean, Sasha Banks played a role in it. She beat Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship on Raw. But it was legitimately Bailey. And actually, Kyrie and Sasha obviously had a match since then in, in Japan. But Bailey uh, was the one who injured her backstage, and we haven't seen Kyrie Sane since. So I, I think it'd be cool if you ran that back. There's a lot of different options there. Um, I'm a lot more you know faithful about that division right now than I am with Raw, and, and it just seems like Raw has Rhea and Raquel, and you're also doing, you know, Trish and Becky, which isn't all that interesting, but it is what it is. And you also had Dakota Kai celebrating the moment, too. We forgot to mention that when uh, EO became champion. Yeah, it was great to see see uh, Dakota back. I mean, I think it made sense. I mean, clearly she knows it was book, pal. I mean, why don't she show up? But 
no, I thought it was great to have the group together. Um, I mean, I think she's still far away from coming back to the ring, but just like celebrating their one year as debuting with EO becoming women's world champion, just kind of was great. Yeah, great moment one year removed from their damage control debut, as you mentioned earlier. So I uh, love to see it. Love to see it. On the subject of the women's tag team titles, though, I mentioned the Kabuki Warriors. They could reunite as a team. Uh, the titles are cursed. I mean, I, at this point, we've said it many, many times, but just get rid of them because they are once again in a state of disarray following the injury to Sonya Deville. Uh, now, now, this isn't a bad booking issue. It's just a case of, I mean, they did lose to Charlotte and Bianca like a month ago on SmackDown in a non-title match. But it's more of a case of Sonya getting hurt. She tore her, I think, ACL. So she's going to be out a long time. And Chelsea's now without a partner. Now, I've seen Chelsea Green say on social media that she's auditioning people. And that's a gimmick that could work for the main roster, actually. I think that could uh, get over really well. But your thoughts on Sonya Deville getting hurt and what this means for the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. No more tournaments either, boy. I'm not even sure if they have enough teams to do a tournament. But then again, they would just pair random women together to do it. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like I said, I think that you might as well just put the titles in the trash. I just feel like the, I get, like you said, I think the whole like Chelsea Green like auditioning people, yeah, it could work. I just they don't have the teams. It's just kind of there. I'm honestly more down for like a mid card women's championship that's only defended on Raw SmackDown. Like they go back and forth. I'd rather see that than the tag belts. I just feel like the tag feels so forced. There's not enough teams. Every time someone wins it, like the last like six months of the women's tag team division's been an absolute fucking joke. Like, yeah. They've got like five different champions. They like keep dropping the belt. Someone gets hurt. Someone turns on someone for no reason. They take the belts off someone to put them in a world title program that we don't even get right away. And now we have Green and DeVille, who were, like, basically job team before they won, like, one match, then getting to the title match, and then they won, and then Sony got hurt, and now we got nothing. So, I mean, I'd rather just see, like, a mid-card women's belt that's defended on both Raw and SmackDown kind of, like, prop you up before you get the women's to the top, top rank. I just feel like the tag belts seem forced at this point, and it's just not working at this point. Yeah, I mean, they never really have worked, but for every time they try to kind of reboot it and get them going again. They kind of have either something happened or they're just booked terribly. Um, yeah, Liv keeps getting hurt. Sonya got hurt. They don't really have a lot of teams at this point anyway. So I would just have the, the auditioning. If they're going to keep the belts, the auditioning thing is a good idea. And hopefully it can kind of you know be given time and be as fun as it has the potential to be. Uh, but I am a little skeptical regarding the future of the tag team titles because it's just been one thing after another. Uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, Mr. Marshall, we got to talk about it. I know you didn't like the outcome, but the Tribal Combat main event for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship between these two. I actually liked the match. I thought it was a really good match. I know it was a bit boring early on or slower or whatever. I mean, that's every Roman Reigns match, but not that people haven't said that. I saw the Melter today gave it like 2.3 and a half stars or whatever it was. I mean, I don't really, I just saw that, but I'm just thinking like, who cares? Um, I mean, I personally disagree. There were other people that agreed with that, I'm sure. I thought it was a very good main event. It had the drama. People thinking, oh, it was hurt by the fact you knew Jay wasn't winning. I mean, I don't know. I figured Jay wasn't winning. We said that last week. Jay beat Roman at Money in the Bank. He definitely wasn't winning here. But sometimes you never know. When you have a three-year title run, anything can happen. I mean, he could have lost it to his cousin. Roman can lose it whenever the fuck he wants. Obviously, that did not happen. Uh, Solo Sokoa got involved later, then followed by Jimmy Uso betraying his brother Jay and costing him the matchup. So before we get to the outcome itself and the lack of logic surrounding the betrayal of Jay Uso from Jimmy, your thoughts on the match itself? Was it a worthy main event? Because I've seen a lot of conflicting thoughts from a lot of people. I mean, I think going in, it was easily the main event. I think the match itself, I mean, compared to Rollins and Finn, I think I liked 
the actual match better with Finn and Seth, but like the story of Jay and Roman like made sense to make it the main event. I just, I think, I think like was it the greatest Roman match I've seen? No, I think like it was definitely slow paced in the beginning, but that is also more Roman Reigns like the talking and slowing it down is more Roman style matches. It's not like a spot fest, so mm-hmm. I think it's just a different style of match. I feel like it was closer to like Cody and Brock than than Rollins and Balor, but. I thought it made sense. I just, I thought the finish, I just hated the finish. I just, I think it was a fine, good match, but the finish just killed it for me. It's just felt like, the, like it's like the, it's like WrestleMania. Like, the match was so good with Cody and Roman, but, like, yep. you're never going to watch it back because the finish sucked. And I felt like the finish here, like, it was like a swerve. They're going to, like, they're going to talk about tonight. Like, oh, like, he was jealous of it, but, like, it just the whole logic of, like, people being like, oh, yeah, like, our promo, like, four months ago, and he, like, was jealous of him. I'm like, okay, I get that. But, like, they teamed up after the fact. They beat Roman and Solo. Then Roman and Solo beat the shit out of Jimmy. So then Jay's going to, like, stick up for his brother and his side of the family. He's literally about to win the world championship, and then he helps screws him over and beats him up. Like, I, I just don't think that part of it makes sense. Like, I get, like, oh, he's jealous, but, like, if, if Jay won, I feel like that would make sense. But, like, him fighting in Jay's honor or Jimmy's honor just to screw him made legit no sense. And it, like, also, like, teased the fans because he literally, like, theoretically was about to win. Like, mm-hmm. hit him with the spear and the splash. Like, that was a one-two-three right there. And his brother just to screw him because he's, quote-unquote, jealous, even though he's fighting in his honor. It makes legit no fucking sense. No, my biggest problem, like I told you earlier, before, I mean, right after it happened and the next day before uh, we took out it, we took off out of Detroit, was the fact that I understand the jealousy thing. I'm sure they'll tell that story tonight on SmackDown. Like exactly you said, that was a line from a promo from before they teamed the fuck up. And I know Roman had said on SmackDown leading into SummerSlam, or Paul Heyman actually even made mention, oh, you know, you're, you're casting Jimmy aside. But that's typical heel bullshit. Like, Jimmy's... I guess the, what makes him a heel is the fact that he's buying into it and he believes that, which it's, it's just complete crap about like, oh, you know, Jimmy's, you know, you, you, whatever he said going into SummerSlam about Jimmy to Jay, that, you know, you, you, you he doesn't need you or you don't need him, blah, 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 and uh, he's going to turn on you someday and then he ended up being right, all this other sort of shit, um, and I, I don't know, I just, I feel like Jimmy's an idiot for following that because, again, a lot of those teases of tension between the two before Jimmy got taken off the show a month ago, they had teamed up at Money in the Bank, and they won. They beat Roman Reigns, and Jimmy was the one to turn on Roman, not Jay. Jimmy was the first one to turn on Roman first, followed by Jay, and the whole reason why they wanted to team up against Roman was because they thought their bond as brothers was stronger than the bond they had with their cousin, who was manipulative and abusive, and that was the reason why... The whole reason why they wanted to take the title off of Roman Reigns and knock him down a couple pegs was because he's become this manipulative... Uh, abusive asshole as the tribal chief, as the champion. So you're telling me, Mr. Mars, I'm not so, you're, you're not telling me, but I'm just saying in general, you're telling me that Jimmy wants Roman to be champion more than Jay? So he wants to keep the belt on him? Again, I know the jealousy thing, whatever, but he hates his brother that much that he would allow Roman to still be champion and be the tribal chief and be the dick that he's always been for the last three years. Like that to me is what doesn't make sense. No, I completely agree. I think that's like, I, I, that's like that's what I don't get. Like I said, if he won the match, I feel like it would have been fine because you could tell that story. Like, yes. when I got beat up and shit, you just like went on your own. You're now the champion. Da 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 da. Like, okay, I get it. 
But like him screwing him. Like you said, the story was like them joining together to beat Roman because Roman's like a manipulative dickhead cousin that like fucked their whole family. But then just to turn on him just because he was jealous that his brother was about to become champion, like it made no fucking sense. They were teamed up and beat him like a month ago. Mm-hmm. So like, like I said, I know they're going to try their best to like, I, good luck to Jimmy, honestly. Good luck to Jimmy. They'll try to fucking explain this shit, but I don't know. I think it just makes Jimmy, if anything, look like the biggest idiot ever. Like, Heyman being like, oh, like, you, you're like, like you said, he looks like an idiot because he bought into the heels basically saying, like, oh, like your brother's casting aside when in theory, or like in reality, he was literally defending his brother to then knock off the guy that they both wanted to see fall. <sighs> We know why they did this. I said this to you when it happened. We know why they did this. This is why, it, it, not that it makes sense, but we know why they did it. They need a feud for the next couple of months on SmackDown. Roman's not coming back until Crown Jewel, at least in November, which hasn't been announced yet. I know they announced Survivor Series. It is odd they haven't announced the Saudi show. I would be surprised if they don't go back to Saudi one more time before the end of the year. They've announced every other show for the rest of 2023. If Roman's not in Saudi and they're not doing a Saudi show, we're not seeing Roman until fucking January. We know that as a fact. And if there's no top champion to challenge for right now on SmackDown, they need something to fill the time. This was the same issue. I understand they suffered the same issue when Roman was gone. When Roman was gone last year on Raw, when Raw had no fucking world champion for a full ass year, and now Roman or Raw finally has a world champion, which is great. What does SmackDown have though? Listen, I enjoy SmackDown most weeks, but when Roman's not around, and I I know he hasn't been around full time for the last couple of months since Mania. But coming out of WrestleMania, though, they still had the Usos and Solo on the same side feuding with Owen, Zayn, and Riddle. What, what do we have now? We have Jimmy and Jay. Okay. We have AJ and Karrion. That's not a fucking main event feud. I think they're having another match tonight. Who could possibly... And I like both guys a lot. Who could possibly care? Theory? I mean, Theory's not... They're not... They can't make the U.S. Championship the focal point of that show. They can. They could. But they can't because the belt means nothing right now because Theory's reign has sucked so far, at least in the last couple of months. Him and Escobar are not those guys. And SmackDown is a great roster too, but like, there's no main event program to really carry the show in the in the time being. Like, there's been points in the last year when Raw and SmackDown didn't have a champion. They had Judgment Day to fall back on, and the other members of the Bloodline, and Owens and Zayn, and so, like, they don't have that anymore. Now it's just Jimmy and Jay, and Solo as well. But you saw the report, I'm sure, from WrestleVotes that some creative member wanted this to drag out till Mania. I know that was their dream to have a singles match at WrestleMania. I don't know how the fuck you can drag this out until then if both guys are full-time and they're going to be interacting with each other every single week until then. Yeah, I think it would be pretty hard to drag it out to WrestleMania. Unless, like, GA went absolute fucking bananas and, like, put Jimmy through a fucking wall or something. Like, like now and then keep him off TV or something? Right, one of them off TV to then get to that point. But, like... Like I said, you would basically, I would think, I mean, Jay's clearly the babyface. We can say that. Jimmy, I, I guess, is heel. I mean, he turned on his brother who's a babyface. Solo's a heel. Roman's a heel. Jay's the only babyface in this program at this point. I mean, like I said, you would have to, unless, like, they do the storyline and they basically, like, hospitalize Jay for six months and he finally comes back at WrestleMania. That's the only thing that makes sense yeah. than what you do for the next three months when Roman's not around, so... I mean, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think this is, I mean, it's, it's a shame that, like, Jay 
He's so fucking over, too. I don't know mm-hmm. if you rewatched it. Like, the crowd was going fucking bananas for him when he came out, like, doing the fucking wave thing that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad let him point it out. Like, I feel like Jay has gone over as a babyface. I think he's done well. Like, clearly he's at the end of his career, too. Like, he's in his late 30s. I think him and his brother are 37, 38. So, like, I mean, I don't think they'd be doing 300 dates a year. Or, like, I know for a while when they were, like, the Usos, like, they were wrestling, like, over 150 matches a year, which was... Year year and year over year, like they were like pretty much the workhorse for WWE. I feel like them and Rollins for like three or four years before the COVID, like mm-hmm. before the pandemic, were wrestling the most matches every year. So they're definitely at the end of their career. I I, I feel like I'd like to see him get at least one singles run, even if it was like the U.S. title or mm-hmm. Intercontinental title. At this point, I feel like he's over enough to get there. But I just don't see how they're gonna if they're both on TV. How they're gonna flush out for another six months? I just don't see it. No, and it's not like with Ray and Dominic where Dominic turned on Ray and it's like, oh, this is going to culminate at WrestleMania. They put Ray in the other show and they kept them separate for a couple of months before going back to it right before WrestleMania. Are they going to ship Jay or Jimmy to Raw? I mean, Smack- or Raw is enough baby faces. They don't need Jay. Is Raw going to take... I mean, Jimmy, the, the thing is, is that I don't think... Jay, maybe. Jimmy is probably not going to be all that interesting as a singles heel, I don't think, without the Bloodline no, story. Not. What'd you say? He, he knows no. You would have to put him with Solo. I don't see Jay as uh, Jimmy as his own guy. I don't. I, I think just you don't. could ship Jay to Raw. Like maybe he. Hey, maybe he's the one to beat Gunther. I don't fucking know. <laughs> but I think he could go to Raw and be a babyface and work. Jimmy by himself as a heel, no fucking chance. No, not at all. No, he would need Solo, and I. I don't think he's aligned with them anymore. That's the thing. I know Heyman kind of shot a look, and people are sharing. Again, we'll find out more tonight on SmackDown. I think. I mean, they're not going to give everything away in one night. They like to drag this shit out for months on end. I get it. I think Jay or Jimmy's going to be his own guy. I think the end game here that they're building to, because again, I didn't mention this, but they teased tension during the match between Solo and Roman. They wanted you to think that Solo was going to cost Roman the championship. And that did not happen because Jimmy ended up getting involved. I think a four-way here is what they're leading to. And that sounds awesome. But again, that's in four months from now. Not even. That's in like five months from now. Four months from now would be December. I mean, come on, man. I mean, this is ridiculous. That That's forever from now, and that five, five and a half months from now. I mean, come on. Can we really stretch it out that long? I mean, they're going to try, but that's probably what the Rumble match is going to be, either Roman and Solo one-on-one or a Bloodline four-way, and that's how they stretch it out until then. I just I just don't know what else to do in the meantime. That's my question, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I, I like I said, I feel like, yeah, I, I uh, it's, it's a lot. I mean, good for, I mean, <laughs> oh, no, like, I know, like, Kane, like, attacked The Undertaker, like, in December or, like, November, October when he debuted and they didn't have a match at WrestleMania, but, I mean, these guys are going to be all over SmackDown. I mean, it's, it's not like, like, not like the back in the day that they only had one show and you could flush it out, like, yeah. there's no way they're going to be able to do this for six, they said Wrestle, Royal Rumble would be, like, six months almost, let That's alone WrestleMania, crazy. which would be another two months after that. Yeah. I, I don't uh, know. I honestly don't know. I really don't. I mean, again, I love these guys. I love the Bloodline story, but it comes to a point where it's like we need to start building other stories. And I think Sheamus had a, made made a great point. He had a kind of a, a nerve with a lot of people when he when he when he said this in a good way. In that they need to dedicate a lot of the time that they're giving the Bloodline stuff, which is incredible. They need to share some of that television time, you know, storyline magic with the other people on the roster who are getting barely any time. I don't even really know why AJ and Karrion Cross are feuding. I mean, there's a lot of feuds on these shows that are just happening to happen just to kill time. The Bloodline stuff is really the only one that really has any sense of meaning. The Judgment Day stuff on Raw is great with Rollins, and that's been really good. 
But a lot of these other feuds are just kind of feuds. There's no real story there. We talk about AW and not having a lot of stories for their stuff. They're doing more stories lately, which is nice. We need to see more stories on SmackDown. I'm looking forward to the show tonight. I think Roman's going to be there. I know the report was that he got hurt. I don't think, I mean, I don't think it's that bad. And if it was, I mean, listen, he doesn't have to wrestle again for another six months. <laughs> I think he'll be okay. I don't think it really makes that much of a difference. I think it's weird. They haven't announced the Saudi show yet. They probably will do a Saudi show. I just think it's odd. They announced Survivor Series and not Saudi. So uh, if they do a Saudi show, I imagine he would be on it. And if not, then I don't know what the fuck they do. So we'll see. One last note, though. No AEW talk today. I, you know, I, I said it earlier. We just don't have the time for it. It was more about SummerSlam. So we'll save it for next week as we get closer to All In. Although I did like Dynamite last night. Uh, one last thing, though. The, on the talking about injuries and whatnot, Bray Wyatt has been gone since March, I think. Uh, he's been gone for a long time. And it was said that he had an illness. We didn't know what it was. There was no word on him. People saying, oh, he might be gone from the company. It's not a case where he's leaving the company. I mean, I think people thought that they didn't have any plans for him. This is not the same case from, from 2021 when he was gone after Mania uh, 37, I think it was, and then he wasn't on TV. They just had nothing for him, and they just got rid of him, obviously. That's not what this is. He has been legitimately out inactive, and it wasn't due to an injury. Apparently, it was an illness, and apparently, we found out last night from uh, Fightful, I think it was, was that it was life-threatening, and it was, um, you know, career-threatening. I mean, career-threatening, then more importantly, life-threatening. So it seems like he's not only okay, but also getting better and getting closer to getting cleared. So I like that. I won't even ask you what they're going to do with him when he comes back because I kind of fear to think, oh, there's going to be Bray Wyatt and Cody Rhodes. I think it'd be better if he came back and talked about it. I mean, I'm not, not too, um, not exposed, but there's a word for it. Um, damn, I can't remember the word. I'm an idiot. But to kind of take that and, and, and kind of capitalize off the illness, I'm not saying that. But, you know, just have him be Bray Wyatt, none of the goofy supernatural crap. But I'm looking forward to seeing him back. I'm just glad he's okay, you know? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Like I said, less of the, uh, like I said, you call it spooky crap. I mean, I mean, just less of that, please. I mean, I liked when he came back and then, like, he kind of, like, said what he was going to do and then did none of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And then went back kind of more like the spooky stuff and... We had the Uncle Howdy stuff, and Bray, and then he beat LA Knight, and then he had a new mask, and then he went away with his illness, and we haven't seen him since, so, I don't know, I just, I like him, I wish, like, you could get back to, like, the Eater Worlds Bray Wyatt, I don't think we're ever gonna get that, but, like, what we had when he first came back, I like, that kind of Bray Wyatt was yeah. good, and then it kind of went back to the whole Fiend Firefly Funhouse, weird Bray Wyatt. So if they go back to like just Bray Wyatt being himself, I think I'm down for that. The spooky stuff, I'm I'm also. Remember, he feuded with Uncle Howdy for three or four months and they ended up teaming out of nowhere in February. Remember that? I don't know if they teamed, but like he like helped them at win at Royal Rumble. Well, yeah, they didn't team, but remember, like, so he won the Rumble, then he was off TV for like three weeks, and then he came back at Elimination Chamber, I think, attacking. I don't remember what happened actually, but him and Uncle Howdy were on the same side. They became allies in the end, even though yeah, they feuded for months. Yeah, Bobby Lashley. Just fucking dumb. I mean, it's not like before the illness that like they were. He was firing at all cylinders. I mean, from a storyline standpoint, he was one of the worst parts of the show. And I love Bray no, Wyatt. I'm, I'm glad he's back, but like, I I really don't know. I had seen the report or the rumor that the idea was to do a Wyatt faction. I know they said that when he first came back, and it seemed like bullshit, but. Eric Young even confirmed that it. it sounded like he was going to be a part of a faction with him and Alexa Bliss, Bo Dallas slash Uncle Howdy, and then Bray. I mean, that sounds cool and all, but they were going to do that with Bobby Lashley and a feud with Bobby? That shit was fucking awful. If Wyatt didn't get sick, the faction stuff sounds fine, but the feud itself with Bobby was terrible. 
So I don't know, man. Hopefully that's not where they, they come back with. Bobby's in a much better spot now. He was off the show for a couple of months, but that Street Profit stuff on SmackDown that we watched last week was awesome. So I hope they continue that. Yeah, I like that direction. Less of him with Bray Wyatt. <laughs> the worst thing would be Bray coming back and then rekindling that rivalry with Bobby and then going back to right where they were before Mania. That would be terrible. Uh, I'm not saying that whatever Bray does beyond that would be any better. But listen, as long as the guy's okay, that's really what matters. I mean, he could do the spooky crap. I mean, I don't love it, but at least the guy's alive and he's hopefully feeling better. That, that's what's most important. So happy to hear that. Uh, we wind down here, Mr. Marceau, for August 11th, 2023, on a Friday, a rare Friday edition. I'm not catching up with you next week, right? You're busy next week? I got conscious next week. I'm tied up. Kid's busy. He's tied up coming off a of SummerSlam weekend. Well, like I said over text, brother, great having you in Detroit for SummerSlam weekend. It was an awesome time as always. We've been to Nashville for SummerSlam last year, Boston for Survivor Series in November of last year, Montreal for Elimination Chamber earlier this year, and then Detroit back for SummerSlam. So it's been quite the year already. Seriously, I feel like I'm like the traveling man right now. <laughs> Take a couple months off from the road, and we'll uh, reconvene in uh, 2024 with wherever they end up next for SummerSlam in uh, 2024. But until then, Mr. Marceau, new episodes every single week, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, as I mentioned. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, what the fuck am I saying? Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm tired as well. I'm running on fumes here. I'll let you go. Enjoy the weekend, Mr. Marceau, and I'll catch your ass down the road. See you later, man. Adios, brother. <laughs>